Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC, whose main club sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again, everyone, and today we're going to have a, a well a lockdown chat with manager Lloyd Blackman. It's a, it's a bit of a, a strange time for us all, particularly for Lloyd because uh, he's having trouble, I'm sure, with the players' training. Not only with the COVID restrictions, but the weather. I mean, goodness me, the ground's waterlogged. So even if we could play, don't think there'd be a game, would there, Lloyd? Really funny you should say that, Tony. Actually, because um, I've literally just WhatsApp in. Uh, the board. So Ron has just replied and said that, uh, yeah, there wouldn't have been much, you know, the, the, the pitch is underwater as it is. So literally that was 20 seconds ago that I'd mentioned that. So he said it's been raining nonstop. I, I jokingly turned around and said, like you just said, well, we wouldn't have had many games going on anyway, to be honest. So yeah, it's just no matter which way you look at it, whether it's the weather or the COVID situation, it's um, it's just a difficult time in general, isn't it? You know, it's it uh, is, pretty yeah. crazy. I've got a um, something here that always guides me to whether or not the game's going to be on at Whistable. It's my back garden. If my oh, back right, garden, okay. yeah, my if my back garden is waterlogged and it is today, then I can guarantee. Although I'm in Herne Bay, not Whistable, I can yeah. almost guarantee it'd be the same on the pitch. And yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't walk on my grass now. You know, it's that squelchy and. Yeah. It's horrible, yeah. Really. Well, Fran sent me a picture. Fran, the secretary, sent me a picture the other day and the pitch looked from the sidelines. It looked really, really nice. But as I said, I know there's been um, an awful lot of rainfall. So like you said, even if even if the restrictions, if they, even if there weren't any restrictions, I think it would be a, a difficult time to get fixtures played because of the... Uh, because of the weather conditions so um like you say it's just all round it's just not destined to be is it you know no, it's, it's um well it's nice bit, nice bit of information for the supporters at least they know what's going on yeah um, right i've got a couple of things to put to you that might we could chew over and see what you think first of all did you hear the uh, chat with uh, richard and uh, stevie um that we put up there i and did they, um it was it was I listened to it in patches, I must admit. I didn't run, listen to it all the way through. The, recep- the reception where I was, it kept cutting out. So in the end, I got the ump with it and turned it off because I was just <laughs> getting little bits. But yeah, I've been listening I've been, I've been listening to quite a lot of them. Um, yeah, and that was probably one of the last ones I listened to. Did you catch that uh, Richard's idea about how we would, if there's no more, you know, how we would finish yep. the season off? I, I again listened to him patches so I think he was talking about possibly like a mini league or playing or like one game. Is it yeah. one game a seat or something like that? He's uh, come, it's come up with three suggestions. One of them was to carry on where we yeah. were last season. Yeah. When it got stopped, which is yeah, not a bad idea. And then the other one was this season that we're in now, we all play each team once. Yeah. And it's yeah. the luck of the draw, whether it's home or away. <laughs> yep. And I can't remember what the third one is for the luck. Do you know what, Tony? The funny thing is, these have all been things and discussions that have gone on throughout the club every manager I speak to they've all been hot topics about if if the season was going to finish or or, or if it was going to be cut short or yeah. if there was a you know another lockdown like we're like we're um, experiencing at the moment then how would how would we manage to complete the season these are all been ideas that have been thrown up now I think the biggest the biggest thing that I've taken away from it all is, or should we say the biggest piece of information I've taken away from it all was when we had the league Zoom meeting a couple of months ago now, 
I think the biggest problem they had was not necessarily the league itself, like the Ishmian League. It was the levels above having a problem with, you know, would, would, in, in the in element of fairness, if the league's above, say, the conference level and the conference south level, you know, would the routes and passages through through promotion, would they be as fair? Because they're, they're classed as elite football, as we know, so they're yes. continuing as normal, and therefore the levels below the non-elite, would they? Would it be fair that some teams go up and down if they're only playing, say, one game a season, or you know what I mean, what playing teams okay. once a season or mini leagues? So I think the whole, you know, the FA in general, in my opinion, haven't dealt with any of this situation. I, I don't think they've come out looking very well in this whole situation at all regarding non-elite football. But I do think there's probably more. You know, once you peel peel the onion one layer all of a sudden it chops itself, it goes down to a, to, a, to a million others and they just present themselves a load of different problems. So it has been something that has been discussed before. Generally, my gut feeling is, sadly, with the news that we heard yesterday and the news that's coming out today that we're probably not going to be coming out of this until March at the earliest, I'm not quite sure how we're going to complete a season in in you know in whatever form that will be, whether it be once one game or whether it will be a mini league or whether we'll look to continue this season or last next season. I really don't know. I really don't know. It's been lots and lots of suggestions, but as I said, it's, um, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. How's the, uh, how the boys been coping with training? Have they managed to train at all? So give you a sort of timeline of what we know and where we got up to. So I think it was, we, we, we heard the news late December or very early, De- late November, very early December, didn't we? I think that there was talk of, there wasn't, no, it was all November, wasn't it? Was it yeah. all November we had a lockdown? November, It was yes. that time, wasn't it? Yes. So I think there's, the last thing I know is we had a meeting with the league. We were able to listen in to all the chairmen and all the sectors, all the managers and all the people in together discussing with the league. And the league sort of said that in the element of fairness, teams in tier three, they can't play because they're not going to be, they're not going to get any gate gate money. They're not going to re- receive any secondary income through sort of, um, you know, beer takings or bar takings and, you know, yeah. the tea hut, whatever it will yeah. be. And then we need to liaise with the local council to be able to see if we could do that. Some clubs were able to do that, able to open a secondary income, even in tier three, because, it then it, go, it goes really political and it goes really really deep. Oh, you know, believe, I yeah. think it was more to do with the location of our ground within the location of our clubhouse within our premises meant that we couldn't. But some clubs have had their location outside of the premises. Really really strange rules. It's 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 all a little bit a little bit crazy. So we were told we couldn't, and the league then decided through a vote that um, teams in tier three were not going. You know, they we weren't going to play. Therefore, as our league was suspended. Now the the I think the the cultural minister or whatever he is, the sports and cultural minister, whatever he is, he can came out and said that now non-elite players can, uh, teams can play with fans. I think they gave us a, a ten or capacity of about 150 fans, which, considering our average is about 260, 270 maybe, to 80 possibly, yeah. we were going to be running a, a, a deficit, yeah. which okay wasn't the end of the world. We understood that. Again, we then heard that with secondary income, we couldn't we couldn't do that. So we weren't going to be making any money from that situation. Uh, then where did we get to? Yeah, so they made a decision. Although the, the cultural minister said that you can play, the league said, the league made the decision, nope, we're not. We're stopping, we're not playing. That affected then the other local. So we're the Ishmael in the southeast. It then affected sort of like the Southern League. And then I think it's, is it the, the Northern League, whatever they're called, the same levels. 
it affected them. Some of them were able to play, so hence why you do hear or have heard up until the last couple of weeks of teams in, in up north still playing at our level. And then we were able to train, so we trained two or three times. We were then looking at friendlies, so we had two, we had two or three friendlies arranged, but the weather then, then, then stopped them because we had a Canterbury game. I think we had a deal game. We were then looking to play deal again on the Tuesday. And yeah, we trained, we tried to get games going on. And then all of a sudden, I think we then got moved into tier four. And then that they then said, boom, no, you're stopping. You can't do it. So in all honesty, Tony, during the period of, should we say, early December when we were training, you know, I had... I had I sort of had one voice on my side of my shoulder saying, this isn't safe. We shouldn't be doing this. This is not right. We're two weeks away from Christmas. We, you know, boys can contract something. Are they going to be passing it on to people that are now going to be going back to their families at Christmas? I wasn't comfortable with that. On the other shoulder, I had a voice saying, the league have told us that we'll have two weeks, we'll be given two weeks notice when we restart. So from the 16th, was it the 16th of December, I think, was the first time that the government came out for the review of the tier system. So if we were going to be moving down a tier or the, gov- or the, or the league decided that we were going to restart, we basically had two weeks to restart. So what we didn't want to do was be in a position where we'd let all our fitness levels drop off, then have a two-week window to get ourselves fit. Over Christmas, which was going to be very, very hard anyway, considering the year people had, it was going to be very difficult to drag boys in two, three times a week to be able to train over Christmas because it was, was, it just didn't feel right. So we then, yeah, so we trained, we tried to get games, and I wasn't really comfortable, but I had to. On the, on the, like I said, this, the voice on this shoulder told me, you've got to train because if you don't, when you do restart, and the poor, the boys were all aware, everyone was at training, they all understood that we could be finding ourselves playing massive catch up. Yeah. Massive catch up. Now I have a lot of sympathy for the managers and the club and, and, and the managers, the clubs, the players that had to deal with that two, three, four week window of uncertainty because it wasn't nice. It really wasn't nice. You would get phone calls from players, Blackie, um, you know, a work colleague has been posted, uh, you know, tested positive. I've now got to self-isolate. We then had to do the calculations of when the last time he saw the group of players, if they were able to do it. Some people, yeah, there was so many, so many problems. And I think the biggest one, not to bring up our local rivals down the road, but it's, it's, it's a fitting, it's a fitting point of the conversation. Is you know, I spoke to Ben Smith when the Herm Bay situation flared up because a few of their players got it, and Ben Smith himself and his coaching staff got it. So I spoke to Ben. Hope you're well, mate. Blah 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 blah. And being in a situation where he said exactly the same to me, it was like we didn't want to be left out, feeling that we were going to. Be be playing catch up if the league decided we were going to start again in two weeks time when the voice on this shoulder was saying this ain't safe this ain't safe so fortunately from our position we we were able to train up until about mid-december then we heard the news of tier four and so on and so forth and we then chopped it and we then gave our players sort of you know uh, schedules to be able to try and fulfill during the Christmas period which is difficult and they send me regular updates of what they're doing ticking themselves over and then hopefully waiting for some more positive news over the next well who knows you know as I said it's you'd have asked me the question sort of 48 hours ago I'll be thinking okay there's a possible chance that we can get things going up again maybe 
January, February. But now if we're hearing news of lockdowns until potentially March, you know, it's now, a, it's now a, you know, the situation has escalated quite quite drastically. So certainly has. we'll wait and see, mate, you know, we'll wait and see. Well, you talking about self-isolating, um, I know I haven't seen you since the VCD game. Yes, right. And yeah. uh, three days after the VCD game, my app, COVID app that I've got on my phone, yeah. told me I've got to self-isolate. Yeah, I had I somehow. Yours was the same. No, no, I remember you. I remember us having a conversation. I remember us yeah. speaking on the phone um, yeah. after, and you told me that they had sort of, you'd, yeah, so you'd I been had, in touch and distance of someone or something right. silly, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. And and of course, with them, because the first thing I, I my question was who, but they're not yeah. going to tell you. Then, no, I'm not going to tell you because it's um you know it's private data, data confidential data information, isn't That's it? Yeah. it yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. blow me about uh, three or four weeks after. I had to self-isolate again. Oh, my really? uh, my youngest grandchild, who's four, yeah. she she got COVID. She's yeah. fine. She just ended yeah. up with a nasty cold. But the whole family then, myself, Carol, um, my daughters, husband, yeah. we all had to self-isolate again for another 10 days. Yeah, so, all I've I got seen, family members, family members that have done the same, Tony, over yeah. Christmas as well, which was, you know, which, which wasn't nice. I no, know we had the news. I know we had the news that, um, you know, once Boris had told us that Christmas was cancelled. So, you know, if there was that four or five day window where people were able to mingle together, you know, it would have been very, very harsh on people that were told to self-isolate personally, as I said, without trying to be, um, you know, that being a bit of a killjoy. I think it was a decision that was taken too late, but that's another topic. Yeah, I know, um, I know. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like you say, I, I just... With, with everything that's escalating the situation so far, I think the news was a bit overdue, but like I said, we're there now. So hopefully we can, um, when the sun comes out and the vaccine starts kicking in, then we might be in a position where we can start thinking forward and rather than sort of worrying about what's going on, you know? Yeah, too right, too right. Hey, I've got something to throw at you. This came up today. I've just done an interview with uh, Andy Skinner. Now, oh, Andy, right. Andy Skinner, Lordswood, Whitstable Town, Long Throw, you know Andy, really nice lad. He's now lived in Australia for 14 years. And when right. he moved there, when he moved there, he carried on playing football for two years. And he was telling me a story whereby he was voted the player of the year for the, if I get this wrong, forgive me, the South, Southern Australia. But it's, it's a big area. It's like massive, half the size yeah. of England. Yeah. With all the teams involved. He ended up being the player of the season. Very nice. Now, how they did it and how they worked it out throughout the season, it was done by the referees. And what the refs did, every game, they marked a player, three for the okay. best, then two, okay. then one. And it's totted up at the end of the season. The funny thing is, and Andy tells this story today, and it's a... He weren't bunging the ref a few quid, was he? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turned out, they had a presentation night, a bit like the Oscars. He ended up on TV. Oh, very inter nice. Interviewed on radio and all sorts. It's, it's a great story. Yeah, I, was, very I don't nice. want to say too much more about it because it's going to kill it for when it comes out. Yeah, That'll yeah. be in about four weeks' time. Well, I know a few boys have moved over there. Um, I can't remember his first name, which name is Sherman. We remember Sherman. Yeah, we played Sherman, at Pulley yeah. Pulley uh, went out there for a year. That's or right. Two. That's right, yeah. yeah. So Pulley went out there and met Sherman out there. So Sherman yeah. was a player playing at Whitstable when I was there. And he now he's out there coaching and managing a side. Um, not quite sure of the level, but 
from looking at the, the videos that he posts on social media, the pictures he posts, you can tell it's a decent standard. Decent so he's standard. and he's done and he's doing really really well out there. So I know Pulley went out there for a little bit, didn't he? And I think he met up with Sherman. I think there was another couple of lads. So maybe yeah. Curtis Robinson went over there as well. There was quite a few boys that went over there. Yeah, and, and as I said, they've every time I've spoken to someone about it, they said it was a great experience and you know really well looked after. So well, yeah, yeah. I think I think Andy's uh, Andy's not regretting it at all. I teased him and said that I understand you live. 300 miles from the beach and he said no tone 30 yards oh, yeah. <laughs> no it's yeah, actually nice. it's actually 300 yards he's the seas at the end of the seas at the end of his street 30 yards sounds better yeah, it definitely. does doesn't it yeah <laughs> on the doorstep definitely. but he's definitely. not regretted it at all he said it's a great life he's really enjoying it and he's definitely. he's still involved in football a little bit just just playing local football um and thoroughly enjoying it yeah and i asked him yeah, about some whether or not he'd get into coaching. And he said it's something that he's always considered, but it's going to take up too much of his time. He's got quite a high-pressure job. so I think that's the bit, time. isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's definitely the bit. You know, you could be... I'm sure there are lots of good, or should we say, you know, ex-players that have um, wanted to dabble in coaching and management, but just don't have the time and no. finances to be no. able to do it. You know, family, work... Um, you know the income, the job. You know it, it, it is. It's a. It's a. Uh, so we've we've had many discussions on it before, Tony. It's almost yeah, a full time have. job. So it's. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people. I think that's that's. I remember reading years and years ago about the amount of coaches that come through. I think the FA have finally begun to pull their finger out. Although again, it always turns out to be about 30 years too late. But I remember reading the amount of coaches or the qualifications for coaches that were available. The, co the qualification for a coach that was available, depending on where you went around Europe, yeah. the price varied massively. So what, what you have heard, or but I don't know if you, if you know, people may, may be aware of, most of the times that people go into the higher levels of qualification, they go over to Northern Ireland and do it. The reason oh. you do it over Northern Ireland is the price of earning a UA for a coaching badge, which is one of the top, you know, the top, top, sure. yeah. not the toppest, but one of the top coaching badges, is the reason it's, it's like a third cheaper than doing it in England. So when you then go over to Germany or you go over to Spain, you know, the cost of doing a UA for A, which in England, I don't know the exact figures, but I know it's a lot of money. If we're yeah. talking five, six, seven, eight grand, yeah. where if you go over to Northern Ireland, it's half that. If you go over to Spain, you go over to Germany, then you're talking less than a thousand euros or a thousand euros, say. So the price difference is drastic. So in my opinion, it's no, you know, that's a deterrent for people. You know, yeah, you're a good definitely. coach, you think to yourself, I don't, you know, I haven't got, I haven't got spare six, seven, eight grand lying no. around to go and do a coaching qualification. Whereas in Spain and in Germany or wherever it will be, the, the price of the of the qualification is a lot, lot cheaper. So that's why they've got so many more coaches, but not only so many, not only a lot more coaches, but a lot more better coaches because they've because they've got the qualifications and the and, the, and um, you know, it's not a, a huge expense. So. I think that's something that the FA probably need to sort themselves out with. I think they're trying to do it, but like you say, they're always 30 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It's always a bit of a hard one, isn't it? I mean, they're playing catch-up and always have been. And, and one of the things, again, that's come out of these chats is I wasn't aware that at uh, uh, junior level now, junior football, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, um, they play this situation where... When the ball goes to the goalkeeper, the opposition then retreat to the halfway line so that it encourages the young kids to play out rather yeah. than just, just hoof the ball. I never knew anything about that. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots, isn't there? I think they reviewed it 
spoiled it now, of course, trying to, trying to remember exactly how many years ago it was, but, you know, they reviewed it, well, I don't want to say six, five, six years ago, four, five, yeah, five, five, six years ago, you know, the certain age groups play up to a seven aside, then a nine aside, and an 11 yes. aside. You know, I can remember when I was eight or nine on a full-size 11 aside pitch, and it was basically whoever had the biggest goalkeeper, whoever could kick it the highest, yeah. was going to score the most, the most, amount, most yeah. amount of goals or save the most. So you fancied yourself up against a three-foot-two goalkeeper, and we had one lad that can kick it 30 yards further than anyone else, and you were going to win the game. So, yeah. it, you know, it's that again, they've they you know they they have changed it a little bit. Again, I know that the likes of you know Spain, Germany, Holland, for example, the Dutch were doing those sort of things. You know, back in the Cruyff days, so, yes. which is 30, 40, 50 years ago, and yeah. you sort of think, well, you know, how come we're so we're so, so slow to time? catch on? Yeah, yeah, so I slow agree. to catch on. But again, you know, I think we're beginning to slowly form our own identity, which is a word that I don't really like an awful lot, but it seems like we are and. Um, well, we'll see how it goes. By the time, by the, by the time we start implementing this one, we'll be forty years too late on that one as well. So we'll we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, what about work for you? Because your job is uh, you're involved in uh, sport, aren't you? Luke yeah. Well, so yes. Um, so in the leisure in, in, the, in the leisure industry. So um, yeah, furloughed at the moment, working for a school and doing uh, in the in the leisure department. So. Yeah, we went back in yesterday because we believed that we were going to be doing helping out, testing all the kids to do yeah. you know, secondary school kids that are coming or meant to come back. So we were there, sort of rushed through a, a um, presentation and did loads of testing ourselves to be able to test all the kids. Yeah. Um, but then, like you say, got home from doing that, and then Boris chopped that and said, "Well, no, we're not. The schools aren't." So it's all it's all chop and change at the moment. But from where I am at the moment, um, I'm currently furloughed. So yeah. Um, Did you furloughed. test yourself? No, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. We didn't get to that stage. We didn't get to that stage. If I'd have been in this morning, if I'd have been in this morning, I'd have been one of the first ones to be tested. Yeah, so I sure. would have got it done. But we did the, you know, we were testing the tests yesterday without sounding silly to get ourselves ready to the when we yeah. turned up this morning to be able to do it and test. Oh, you know, close to a thousand secondary school kids to be able to get them done. Um, but like, you know, Boris has sort of closed all the schools again. So yes. um, it looks like we'll probably be doing that in. Well, I don't know. Whenever they reopen the schools, we'll probably have to go through that. Yes. Yeah. When we um, when we had the second, uh, we were instructed to go down to Manston and have tests. Both Carol and I. Yeah. You know, we're okay, but you know, yeah. it's part and parcel. Even if you get a negative test, you still got to isolate. So yeah, that's right. I think I don't think people take this on board because they think that if they haven't got any symptoms, there's no chance of them passing it on or catching it. It's just nonsense, yeah. isn't it? I, I, do you know what I, the, the rules, the rules and the guidelines change continuously? I'm not really sure where you get up to now. I know that if you show signs or if you've been in contact with someone, you then got to isolate for a certain yeah. amount of time. Yeah, I'm a little bit puzzled with it all, to be honest, but. Um, well, now we're all got to sit. We're now we've all got to stay indoors anyway. So, so we're all in the same boat. Yeah, there. absolutely. Um, just going back to Ben Smith, was he okay? By the way, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was okay. He just felt a little bit ropey. So you know, I, I, to be fair, I get on well with Ben. I speak yeah. to Ben sort of once every month or every couple of months. You know, as I said, I know we're sort of rivals, and but as I said, we're football managers, and we're always keeping our ears to the ground. So there's yeah. always something we want to chat about. So I just gave him the courtesy call to make sure he was okay. Yeah, I think he just felt really, really. Fluey, yeah. But um, yeah, fortunately, I think I think he's okay. And um, like you said, that was during the time. I think it was literally that week that then they we moved into tier four, and they and they said no, you can't train. Oh, so can't train. 
yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him in that in that department because yeah. I was in exactly the same position. Didn't really want, like I said, the voice on this side was saying, yeah. "No, I don't want to continue." And Flexible. Ben was in that same situation, and sadly, he, he he contracted it, and um, and I think a few of the players did as well. So it made the whole situation very very messy. But um, something that I felt could have been avoided. But well, all right, I think we've had a good chat today, which has been nice. Sounds good. Really, a case of just letting everybody know what was going on. You've run through stuff from the club and your point of view with the players and everything. So yeah, it's good. It's always yeah, good. I'm sure if we hear any more news, we'll we'll keep each other updated. But um, like you say, I think we're probably going to be in for another long six weeks, and just everyone stay safe and try and stay. Uh, yeah, just try and stay as safe as possible. Absolutely. Well, well done, uh, Lloyd. Thank you for that. So from me here at Belmont Banter, and from uh, our manager Lloyd Blackman uh, on the other end of the phone. It's uh, goodbye for now. Cheers, everyone. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter. For news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers. <laughs>